Chapter 15 of The Outdoor Girls at Foaming Falls. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Outdoor Girls at Foaming Falls by Laura Lee Hope. A Touch in the Dark. In the upper hall, the outdoor girls leaned weakly against walls and door casings looking sheepish and very much ashamed of themselves. A fine crowd we are, cried Grace scornfully, afraid of our own shadows. Well, we aren't any more, said Molly, adopting the brisk matter-of-fact tone that always seemed to help in such emergencies. Come on, girls, it's getting dark, and we still have a good deal of exploring to do. Front rooms first? Oh, who cares as long as we get it over with, came feverishly from Irene. I'm sorry I got the club into this, said Stella contritely. I didn't know the house was haunted. It's not your fault, answered Molly quickly. We'll have to get over being scared, that's all. The girls found the four rooms on the upper floor anything but reassuring. They were all furnished in black walnut, and the pieces were stiff and stilted in line. The two front rooms were large and were joined by a communicating door. Each boasted a huge four-poster bed, an old-fashioned dresser, and a highboy. This last, the girls thought, about the ugliest piece of furniture conceivable. The only difference in the furnishings of the two rooms, as far as the girls could see, was that the larger one contained a cretone-covered cot. On the table in one of the rooms, the girls also discovered a small kerosene lamp. There were two other lamps downstairs, Molly observed turning the wick to see if there was enough of it left to light. We shall have some sort of illumination anyway. I came across a can of kerosene downstairs too, said Stella, and that's lucky because we never thought to buy any. The two rooms at the back of the house on the second floor were far more dreary and deserted looking than those at the front. One glance at them told the girls that the front rooms would be their sleeping quarters during their stay in the house. There will be room for two apiece in the big beds, Amy said, and one of us can use the cot. That communicating door will be a blessing, said Grace. We can all be together, and, as we have so often been told, in unity is strength. I don't know whether that applies to ghosts, said Molly flippantly, and the next moment could have bitten her tongue out for making so silly a speech. Let's get a light, said Grace abruptly. It's altogether too dark for comfort up here. They descended the staircase in mass formation, trying not to hurry too much, yet scuttling past the closed door of the living room in haste. In the kitchen, they found the two lamps and lighted them. Better get our stuff out of the cars, Molly advised. We'll want the bedding, and I think it will be just as well to make up our beds for the night, even before we eat. I don't feel as if I could ever eat again, said Grace, shivering. Irene giggled nervously. Good gracious, Gracie must be in a bad way if her appetite has failed her. I wonder if there is a good doctor in Foaming Falls. Molly was glad that the girls could still joke and tried her best to keep up a running fire of light conversation as they went back and forth carrying the luggage from the cars. This was a heroic attempt for Molly, too, since in her heart she dreaded the return to the upper rooms as much as anybody. At last, all the things were indoors. 
Molly suggested that they spread the tarpaulins over the cars as a precaution against wind and weather. It might rain tonight, she said. Seems to me the air is rather damp. And all this when the day had been a gloriously clear one, and the evening gave no promise whatsoever of storm. Was Molly deliberately trying to put off the evil moment when they would have to pass the parlor door again? The girls did not have to wonder. They knew and were grateful for the few moments of respite. With the cars snugly insured against the weather, no further excuse for loitering below remained. The girls shouldered sheets and pillowcases and a blanket apiece, for the nights often blew up cold and raw in the mountains. Molly went ahead carrying one lamp, and Grace was designated to bring up the rear with another. Why anybody should pick on me, protested the latter plaintively, but her voice died away suddenly. In breathless silence, they approached the closed door of the parlor. Was it imagination, or did they hear a weird small scratching sound within the room? The girls did not stop to inquire, but stampeded up the stairs. It was little short of a miracle that saved Molly and Grace and the kerosene lamps they carried from immediate and perhaps frightful disaster. As it was, they breathed twin sighs of tremulous relief as they set the lamps upon the table. Molly, Grace demanded in a frightened whisper, what was that noise we heard in the room below? Before Molly could attempt to make reply, the quiet of the upper rooms was broken by a shrill and terrible scream. The next moment, Irene staggered into the room, wild-eyed, sobbing. Oh, I must get away from this horrible place. Do you hear? I've got to get out. End of chapter 15. Read by Joni Vatinen. Elk River, Minnesota. July 29, 2022